Thanks for tuning in to Reformation Lutheran Church's sermon podcast. Our sermon series is The Forgotten Books of the Bible, and this week we're reading from Song of Songs, beginning with chapter 1, verses 12, through chapter 2, verse 6, and chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. This is Pastor Jason Adams saying God bless you and thanks. A reading from Song of Songs. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a bag of myrrh that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. Ah, you are beautiful, my love. Ah, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Ah, you are beautiful, my beloved. Truly lovely. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar, our rafters are pine. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among maidens. As an apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his intention towards me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Oh, that his left hand were under my head, and that his right hand embraced me. How graceful are your feet in sandals, O queenly maiden. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are pools in Heshbon by the gate of Bathrabim. Your nose is like a tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. Your head crowns you like Carmel and your flowing locks are like purple. A king is held captive in the tresses. How fair and pleasant you are, O loved one, delectable maiden. You are stately as a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters. I say I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its branches. O may your breasts be like clusters of the vine, and the scent of your breath like apples, and your kisses like the best wine that goes down smoothly, gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's. And his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes give forth fragrance and over our doors are all choice fruits, new as well as old, which I have laid up for you, my beloved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Love. It's a powerful word. It can mean different things and look differently to us. I I like remembering the author, C.S. Lewis, who wrote about four loves, about the love between Friends and neighbors, phylos. About the love of parents and children, storge. About physical love, eros. And about that all 
consuming, unconditional, encompassing love of God, agape. They're all different, but at their best and in their varied ways, they each draw us together. They form us for right relationships and bind us to one another. And of course, it's easy to look around at the world and see all the ways we do not love one another. We can see the ways we haven't been loving to parents, to our siblings, to our neighbors, to the earth itself. Maybe we've forgotten about that love of God, too, in the world. And maybe this reading is not what you expected when you showed up for church today. I promise you, it's in the Bible. It's a love poem in this ancient style of a wedding song, a story of two lovers sharing their desire for each other. If you were blushing during the reading, that's okay. Just be glad I didn't ask you to read it for us. But why should we be embarrassed? Why would we want to censor this kind of expression of the physical and romantic love that is such a gift in the world, in our lives? We can rejoice in this. God's love is in us. God made us body and mind and spirit for a purpose for loving relationships. Many of us get hung up on that physical kind of love, eros, that erotic love, especially when we're young, right? We want to explore it. We want to know more about how and why our bodies feel the way they do and do the things they do, are made the way they are can sometimes get us into trouble, right? It's been said that anything good can be taken and made into something unhealthy, unhelpful. We do that. That's a result of our sin, part of who we are. Maybe the part of the examples we've had growing up or maybe lack of them. But when human beings want something so much, it can become a weapon against us, against others. At times, people have been made to be ashamed of the physical form. And this idea that flesh is sinful and therefore any kind of physical love must be dirty as well goes back a long way. But today, I would love for us all to just hear these words for what they are. The adoration of bodies that God has created. An expression of deep and lasting love and affection. A song of devotion between two young people whose desire might not yet be acceptable to the world around them, and also an allegory of the love that God has for people and of Christ and the church. See, Solomon was a wise king. He had this reputation for being a renowned lover, and tradition says he wrote, This Song of Songs when he was very young, Proverbs in middle age, and Ecclesiastes when he was much older. This Song of Solomon gets named for him, but we can be quite sure he didn't actually write it. We can be quite sure of that. But can you imagine why it might not be read in churches very often? Why pastors might not find the occasion to preach on this. It's a little sexy for Sunday morning, right? There are provocative images here. We find ourselves listening in on this ode to love that focuses on the physical form where the bodies of young, unmarried, unidentified lovers compared 
to animals, to trees and flowers and fruit. I hope you're not offended, but rather recognize in these words a devotion that so many of us strive for in our relationships. Two voices are of people with a great desire for each other. They love big. I tell my wife she's beautiful. I like to look at her. I'm attracted to her. She tells me the same. And I want my children to know how much I adore her. That our love is still strong after all these years. And we know love changes over time. So as years go by, we remember what it was like when we were younger, when we first met. And I remember seeing her from across the room and wanting to talk to her to get to know her, to get her attention. And I wish, I wish I had such wonderful words as this to tell her how much she meant to me. I could write, your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Would that have worked? I don't know, maybe. I tell her I love her more than chicken wings. So that's big love in our house. That's a real deal. She knows it. And when we're young especially, isn't it often that we are first attracted to another person because of how they look? And while it's true that love is so much more than the way we look to each other, appearances, so much more than that, but these two lovers in this story are gazing on each other with joy, with delight. It's a powerful feeling, and it might even seem scandalous. This love might not be acceptable, yet they have to hide their love from the public. They can't express it openly. Later on in the, in the poem, we hear, I wish you were like my brother, and I could express my affection in public, but I can't. I have to hide it away. We hear the story of the, the young man coming to the window, maybe peeking in, stealing a glance here and there. They still proclaim their love in this song, even though it might not be acceptable to be sung in public, naming those parts of the body that give life and delight, describing as sweet fruits and fragrant flowers. They claim this gift of love that God has given us, that our bodies have always been And from the very beginning, we hear in that creation story, God was creating, God was making bodies. God made bodies of fish and birds and animals and, of course, human beings. God made bodies and blessed them. God blessed the whole creation, but especially those humans and their bodies. God said they were very good. And yet, we struggle with loving our bodies. We laugh at bodies that are different from ours. We shame people for the way they dress, the way they use and share their bodies. And we've stood by while people are oppressed because of their bodies or laughed with ones who mocked people with disabilities. As people who affirm love in the world, who try to live out that love in the world, who trust in this love of Jesus, who claim that God is love, Why would we shame someone for their bodies? How could we be ashamed of what God has made? We can look around and love what we see. We have this love of nature, but God's love calls us to look deeper. C.S. Lewis writes that the created glory 
may be expected to give us hints of the uncreated. For the one is derived from the other and in some fashion reflects it. Our bodies are beautiful, but it's just a hint of what lies beyond that because all of us are made in God's image. This kind of love described in the poem is to be celebrated and not shamed. That physical erotic love is a gift, yes, and one we should share wisely, respectfully. We are part of that beautiful creation and still everything we see is only a hint, just a glimpse of that love God has for us. A natural world is something to behold. We were at the Grand Canyon just last weekend because we wanted to show our kids this beautiful place and hold them close so they don't jump over the edge to see the animals and nature and, and take it all in because a picture just doesn't do it justice. Even with our own eyes, we can barely take in all that beauty. But God looks at us and sees even more, is amazed by how beautiful we are. God loves us even more. Yes, this big love expressed between these two young lovers might help us to imagine that kind of deep love God has for us, all of us. This text reminded the people years and years ago about uh, the people of Israel, about God's devotion to them. And as the world was embroiled then, as it is now, in wars of domination, colonization, people were in pain, people were afraid. This text also later on reminded early Christians about the passionate love of Jesus and the longing of Christ for the church in times of persecution and anxiety. So I think we can hear these words and hear that plain meaning on the surface, revel in the love poetry that it is, and have some of those feelings awakened in us. We can also hold to these words as sacred scripture that tells us of our God who loves to be in relationship with us in all of creation, a God who longs for us and desires us because we too are longing for renewed relationships in our time. In her book, Love Big, The Power of Revolutionary Relationships to Heal the World, Rosella Haiti White reflects that so many of our relationships have been broken, in part because we have forgotten that we are not independent, we are interdependent, we belong to each other. We've forgotten that we belong to each other. We're no longer curious about one another like the two young lovers in this love poem. But we jump to judgment to make those different from us into something less than human. Our history is filled with examples from chattel slavery to indentured servitude to the Holocaust to the homeless crisis, just to name a few ways we treat bodies as less than God blessed and divine. We fail to love those who live, love and struggle differently than we do. We fail to look at them through the eyes of Christ. The neighbor is not a concept. Our neighbors are bodies. They are sleeping in the street. They are incarcerated. They are trafficked, addicted, 
oppressed and abused. What can we do but see them, love them, love big? And if we could love big, we could be centered in this love of God and one another instead of just for ourselves. If we could love big, what kind of world would we live in? This weekend, as we celebrate the founding of these United States, we're still struggling with the reality of a nation that is not as united as it could be. We're still seeing the ways we have failed to include all people and all bodies in the promise of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Rosella White begins her work on revolutionary relationships by starting with faith. Our faith in God alone. We're called to have faith in God as lover, the one who adores us all, who brings us freedom from sin and death, who liberates us to love and place arms around us when we are most in need. That's the kind of God we have, who has laid up choice fruits for us, whose desire is for us, who loves big at all times, who creates us out of love, who forgives us with grace, who forms our bodies and our hearts and our minds and centers us through a word of love, the living love given to us in Jesus Christ and sustains us through the power of love that binds all things together. In Jesus, we are freed from shame over our sin, over our bodies, over the ways we failed to love each other. We are people forgiven and loved by a passionate and powerful God who is love, who made us for love, who calls us to love one another. And we know that doesn't come without a cost. One seminary professor of mine shared that love is tightly coiled around the foot of the cross. Love was given to us through Christ's own body and blood. Through this cross, we are freed from judgment and self-loathing for selfless service to the neighbor. Neighbors who need to know this kind of liberating love, this adoration of God, who need our witness, who need our boldness to speak love in the world and be love, to love as others will not. As followers of Jesus, we get to be lovers, to be bold, to speak of the enjoyment of God's good creation, which includes bodies, and be the body of Christ in the world. We are called into revolutionary relationships that are life-giving, accountable, vulnerable, gracious, and giving to appreciate and advocate and stand and serve for those in need. We've been given this amazing gift of these bodies and love and the joy and pleasure they bring. God's desire is for you. God wants you to be you, to be free, to love big, to enjoy these gifts that you may know love and be love in the world. Jesus loves you and Jesus is love. Amen. <laughs>